Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. New England, it is to tell the waters, 1029 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television, outstanding to be with you across the state. Thanks for spending some time with us on this very nice Tuesday afternoon. Hope you are having a wonderful day. Hope you are enjoying whatever it looks like to be with very close friends and family and no more, right? Uh, hanging out either by your bad self, maybe catching up on uh, all of the streaming options that are available to you, and maybe just listening in to Two Tell and Iwanas on a Tuesday. We appreciate that. If you'd like to listen live on the internet, if you are stuck inside your home, wanting to stay inside your home, you go to your computer, your phone, your device, you go to 1029ESPN.com. You listen live all the time on the stream. The stream is available thanks to Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. If you'd like to pick up your phone and call, you can do that as well 329-1899 329-1899 the phone number all guests join us via the Regich brothers rv phone line let's take a look at what we got in the show today craig haley from stats fcs put out his favorites for the upcoming season for the buck buchanan award robbie hauk on it from the university of montana troy anderson on it from montana state so we will go through that as well as a number of other guys uh, uh to boot in addition to that we also today looking forward to this going to have jason alvin he is the voice of the bobcats football and women's basketball uh, he's going to join us in uh, at about a half an hour from now talk about montana state sports and where they're at right now and uh, and looking ahead a little bit out of the women's basketball season into the football season with Jason Alvin. We also will have Aaron Reese, who covers the Houston Texans for The Athletic. We heard the uh, 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 Cardinals' perspective on the trade that took place yesterday, and they were thrilled. I have an idea that Aaron Reese, who covers uh, the Texans, is going to be less thrilled when it comes to this deal that was done in the Houston Texans uh, uh, sending DeAndre Hopkins away to the Arizona Cardinals in return for not a first round draft pick. They get David Johnson and a second rounder. Also, by the way, the Texans signing today. This is happening in the last uh, 90 minutes or so. Randall Cobb heading to uh, Houston from Dallas. He did a one year deal in, in Dallas. Had a solid season last year for the Cowboys. A little bit of a bounce back year for Randall Cobb. He gets three years, $23 million. Quite a lot of money, in fact, uh, for Randall Cobb, given his point of the career. But he will go over uh, to Houston. So we will talk with him about that. Also, top of the hour, get to get into some NFL stuff. The news of the day nationally. Tom Brady officially announcing he will not be returning to New England. His contract officially uh, expired today. Uh, this was his choice not to renew the contract. So this ball was 100% in Tom Brady's uh, court. We have no idea where Tom Brady is going to go, where he wants to go. We don't even know what the market really is for him. Certainly there is one. But uh, we will uh, talk about that at length. By the way, Philip Rivers, he does have a landing spot. One-year deal to go to Indianapolis. How about that? To go be with the Colts. And uh, Cam Newton, he is allowed to explore trades from Carolina as Carolina is close to inking a deal with Teddy Two Gloves 
Bridgewater. So uh, there you go. Ton of stuff there. Also continuing in the NFL 5:30, Mike Dugar from the Athletic. Our buddy Mike Dugar, who has covered the Seattle Seahawks for uh, well quite a while and uh, was with us all season long on the weekly. Uh, Going to join us now to see where the Seattle Seahawks are at amid free agency. Uh, it looked like Jadavion Clowney was out of Seattle. Now there's a m- little moments hesitation where they're thinking that perhaps he will be maybe staying. I think it's unlikely, but there's it's not a hundred percent lost hope uh, for. Uh, the Seahawks that Jadavion Clowney might stay in the Pacific Northwest so we'll talk with Mike Dugar about all of that and more then at the end of the show today how about this Grizz Greats episode 10 the final episode coming out tonight with Robin Selvig Rob Selvig the head coach of the Lady Grizz for 38 seasons 865 career wins and front and center to the entire coaching tree basically uh, from the time he came on board in the 78-79 season uh, right up until uh, Travis DeGear. I mean he was he was the head coach when Travis DeGear was hired for the first couple of seasons of uh, to, of Coach DeGear's tenure so he uh, knows the men's coaching tree better than anybody and he's got a story or two of his own as well so an awesome uh, uh episode coming out tonight with uh, coach Selvig and we'll hear a little portion of that uh, there towards the end so despite the fact of where we are in the world quarantines and everything else we got actually quite a lot going on Coulter how you doing over there thankful to be a Montana and proud to be an American how you doing wow look at this guy coming in spitting fire right off the get I love it you know all of those things yeah sure great love it I feel good man I'm happy to be rocking and rolling with this thing Let's talk a little bit about the Buck Buchanan Award, okay, Coulter? Craig Haley coming out. He's one of not many. I mean, there's only a handful of national writers when it comes to the FCS division of football. He writes for stats. And he put out today his favorites for the Buck Buchanan Award. Now, this is not the this is not the watch list, right? right, right. So this is this is just his perspective. But you can bet that a lot of the guys that he's got listed on here will be on the official watch list when it does come out. Two guys from the state of Montana on this list. Robbie Houck, Jr. now at the University of Montana, and Troy Anderson, who is heading into his senior season at Montana State. Uh, It is also interesting that Robbie Houck is on this list, but Jace Lewis is not on this list for the University of Montana. When you looked at this, and we'll go through some other guys, but what did you think of that that just initially, Coulter? Well, I think that it's very interesting because Montana, more than anybody else, in the country, the defensive scheme caters to huge stats for guys in very specific positions. You have to be a great player to play those positions, so I'm not trying to take it away from anybody, but the guys right. who play the two inside linebacker spots, Montana, Robbie Houck is basically Montana's third linebacker. Right. They play a guy that comes off the edge that I think conventional wisdom would say is a linebacker. but Not a lot of 150-pound linebackers in the <laughs> football, are there? But, but Robbie Houck, he's, he's the guy who runs the alley. When you talk about run fits in the game of football, what your teammates are doing to filter the ball back to you, what you're doing to filter the ball back to your teammates, the primary playmaker is the spot Dante Olsen played. The secondary playmaker, especially if the, if the play goes against the grain, is the spot Jace Lewis played. And then the number one guy who's got to make the play if those two guys don't make the play is Robbie Houck. Right. Those three guys were such incredibly sure tacklers in space and one-on-one in the open field that that's why you saw all three of them have 130-plus tackles. How many guys before those three ever had 130-plus tackles? Very few. None. Kendrick Van Akron had the single-season tackle record at Montana with 130. Dante Olsen shattered that as a junior and then shattered it again as a senior. But as a senior with Dante Olsen racking up nearly 180 tackles, you still had Robbie Houck and Jace Lewis right around that 130-tackle mark as well. So saying which guy is more important, I, I think it's apples and oranges. I mean, what do you think? Because on one hand, Jace Lewis is going to be put in a position to make more, quote-unquote, splash plays, forcing fumbles, getting sacks, making yeah. tackles for loss. But on the other hand, Robbie Houck is the dude. He has to make the tackle when it gets to him because if he doesn't, it's Pater. Right. You so know who's more important? It, right. I mean, who it is apples to oranges. They're both critical. How's that? You, I mean, yeah. you just you can't. It's not one or the other. You gotta have both. And and, and and to take this one step further, you gotta have a guy like Jesse Sims who doesn't care about making any tackles. 
let me ask you. Know what I mean? Totally. Like he's got to he throw guys in, around. He's going to take up two blockers and let let the, the the lanes show up for the for the guys behind him. Let me ask you this though, Coulter, because when we talk about these stats and these numbers, and we know the the uh, I won't say inconsistency, but it's it's just it's just different uh, uh, program to program how they keep tackle stats and things like that and how many how many guys get a half tackle when it's a gang tackle type right. of situation and all that but also I, I think this continues to go sort of underappreciated the number of plays that are happening in a college football game and a pro football game for that matter now compared to what it was five ten years ago and certainly beyond that it just it's unbelievable I mean you are watching a hundred and fifty percent more football in any given game in terms of the number of plays that are that are the number of snaps that there are on a football field, and so when it comes to things like total tackles, well, it's not surprising, right, that the three highest tackle totals in the history of Montana happened in the last couple of seasons. Right. Certainly, it's about the scheme, but also the progression of the game to some extent, right? It also, but also, yeah, here's the biggest difference from Montana Montana State's defense. Montana State's defense had no one with even close to the tackle stats. Why is that, though? Because they got off the field so much faster. Mm. A lot of times, Montana, they would die a slow death or bow up when the offense got into the red zone and then force a field goal or force a turnover, but they faced so many more plays. Yeah. Montana State would get, especially towards the end of the year, from the North Dakota game on when MSU was basically allowing about six points per game down the stretch, they were holding teams to... Far under 20%. But in the that's teams a function in terms of, of third down off. That's a function, though, of the offense, too, right? I mean, Montana sure. State's running the football, holding right. the ball a lot longer. So, But, but I mean, how many three and outs do you really remember for the Grizz this year? Right. You remember I mean, a lot of times where they would bend but don't break, and then they'd make a big play because it's a big play defense. It's a splashy defense. You need that tackle for loss on first down to get them behind the sticks so then you could run the exotic blitz on third and long and light people up like they did against Weaver State. Yeah. But Montana State, it was more... Give them give up one yard on first down, two yards on second down. Now you got a third and seven. We're gonna win seventy five percent of the yeah. time when it's third and seven, and you got Bryce Sturk. Stutel Nuwanis, one two nine ESPN Radio. Craig Haley's favorites for the Buck Buchanan Award again coming out at Stats uh, uh, FCS it covers the FCS nationally. And I mentioned that Montana's the program that maybe the stats are inflated by the scheme more than any other factor. Yeah, but then you look at Anthony Adams from Portland State being on the list. Portland State runs the flex defense. Anthony Adams is the flex guy. Anthony Adams had twice as many pass breakups as anybody else in the league last year. He led the country in pass breakups by a wide margin, right. but that's because of the way he the, the flex has to play. Sometimes the flex is in the box. Sometimes the flex is pressuring the quarterback, but also sometimes the flex is the, just the center fielder, the guy with literally no coverage responsibility whatsoever. He's just floating in the middle of the right. field. So he can just go sprint and just go knock a ball down. He doesn't have to worry about getting beat. So another way that scheme helps stats. And by the way, maybe no surprise that Anthony Adams is the one other player from the Big Sky Conference who's on this list for Craig Haley from Portland State. Uh, several other players uh, in in uh, in this list. Sam Houston State defensive tackle Trace Mascoro is on this list. Uh, he's... Uh, a, a very strong candidate. A lot of people think he's a power five level type of talent. And also, how about Northern Iowa defensive end Ellerson G. Smith? Dude, 6'7", man, and he's not that big. I mean, the reason that a 6'7 pass rusher is at the FCS level is because, you know, late bloomer and all that, and he still hasn't filled out all the way. But here's a guy who is uh, going to have significant draft consideration, presumably, uh, when you get into next season and the 2021 draft. Also, a couple of guys, Illinois State, Kennesaw State, the Citadel, Brandon Easterling from Dayton on this list, as well as Cordell Jackson from Austin P, who uh, made a visit to Bozeman uh, last winter, I guess December, it was December, right? Maybe late November. Uh, so a number of, uh, of, of guys on this list. How, I won't say how important is it, but when they're compiling the actual watch list, Coulter, how many of these early lists that guys are on influence making the later list which are which are lists that are significant because they're in fact they're they're, they're formal lists well at this level it it is paramount obviously yeah. because the buck buchanan watch list basically then becomes the buck buchanan semifinalists of 20 yeah and then about five guys will get added late october or early november 
those guys usually have so much less momentum in terms of just the stats board, everybody that's a voter watching them. As somebody that votes in these awards, I check out the stats for the 20 guys. It's a lot harder to go extrapolate and see. I usually do go look at the league leaders for the three premier conferences, the Big Sky, the Colonial Athletic Association, and the Missouri Valley Conference. And if I see a guy from North Dakota State who's second in the Missouri Valley in sacks and he's not on the list, for example, okay, I cover the Big Sky intensively. So like I knew Bryce Sturck was was in my top ten guys before he was ever in the watch because sure. I just knew he was going to be the dude. But then when those DNs from – James Massa were blowing up. One was on the watch list, the other wasn't. The other was putting up better stats than the guy who was on the watch list. Yeah. So I cut my eye on him. He ended up getting added to the final ballot, but still, it's hard to break into that 25 guys who are on the final ballot if you don't have if you're not there initially. And a lot of times guys that probably are highly deserving don't get a shot to even be on the ballot. And that in itself is a little bit disappointing. Well, and I think it just goes so far too for a guy like like Dante, to have been on the list and even a finalist the year before, mm-hmm. the name recognition, because it's hard to generate name recognition nationally at the FCS level. You know, you, you get to the end and you start to familiarize yourself with some of these guys, but unless you've been there already in some capacity, you're like, wow, this guy was that good as a junior, we got to pay attention all the way through as a senior. There's only a few of those guys. I mean, a lot of this, a lot of these guys come into this kind of blind and I I I find it interesting too I mean Robbie Houck is going to have such name recognition just in virtue of his of his surname right and 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 whose uh son he is and and nephew and all that the lineage of of the family and I wonder how much that helps or maybe hurts presumably would help him in a situation like this here's what I want to ask you though Coulter about about what one question about Montana one about Montana State in 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 relation to this list with Dante Olson graduating First of all, does Jace Lewis move over, or is he going to stay where he is? And then the question is, the threesome that was Jace, Dante, and Robbie is now a twosome. Who will be the third guy, and how will that guy be used? Well, so that's the thing. This isn't a left and right type of situation. It's a field and boundary deal. It's a field and boundary a lot of times, but also a lot of times they switched too. So that's the one, I think, bright spot for Montana is that Jace Lewis knows how to play both spots because both guys played both spots. That's what makes the defense confusing. Right, you the, can't you can't go eighty fifty five's the mic because and so maybe often, is so often maybe not so often the the guy who's the rover the spot Josh Sandry played the rover follows the slot and he plays to the field the wide side of the field in Montana's defense that is the case sometimes it's also not the case sometimes so then you'll have the other safety play in the field and the rover playing the boundary sometimes then. You'll have the corners not switching field and boundary. That's what makes it so confusing for the offenses because you don't. It's not right or left, and it's not field or boundary. And it's not strong or weak. They just kind of line. I, I don't. I would love to get Kent Bear, the defensive coordinator, on the record. I doubt he would give us the full details of all of it, but it is incredibly exotic. Well, you know, can I? I want to add to that in this sense. Th- this defense is. I don't know if it's exactly or if it's some hybrid, some twist on, but it's it's effectively Rocky Long's defense. The three three five staff from yes. from from. It also has some Desert Storm, you know, the old right. Arizona defense principles too. But it's from San Diego State, and and I was talking with Coach Hauk about his time at San Diego State, mm-hmm. and he goes, you know, I needed to go there. First of all, this was sort of in relation to having left UNLV, his time being an assistant coach an associate head coach, and then coming back to be a, a, a head coach again. And he talked about a number of things in there, but one thing that I found so interesting, he said, I needed to go learn this defense. Now you're talking about, like, we could sit down for eight hours for two weeks, you know, eight hours a day for two weeks straight with Kent Bear and probably come away just more confused than we already are in terms of 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 this defense. I mean, if you're talking about a guy who was a lifer in football, who was a 15-year head coach at the time that he went to San Diego State and specifically went there just to try and learn how to do this. It's not like you just DVR the Aztec games. You go, oh, I see what they're doing. Like, the, the, Even if you're a coach, even if you really know football, sure. you can't do that. And so that's part of what I think people need to understand as we sit here. We go, well, you know, it's sometimes it's field and boundary, sometimes not. Sometimes, you know, 
Right. He's the mic. Sometimes he's not. Whatever it is. But again, all of it is very intricate. It and, is. And One and most- it took a, it took a lifer in the sport years to go and try and learn it and master it to move it to Montana. Now. One of the most undertold stories about this whole thing, though, is when Craig Paulson was the defensive coordinator of Bobby Houck, they were very simplistic. I think everybody knows that. You can be – I think the te- the biggest testament you could have to the defensive talent on your football team is how simple your scheme is. Yes. The simpler the scheme, the more talent you have. When you got Shan Schillinger and Colt Anderson, Tremaine Johnson, and Jimmy Wilson, you up. can run whatever you want because it doesn't matter. You can run straight man – Man-to-man, cover four, whatever you want to call it, only have four-man rush, only have each linebacker play one gap. Everybody do their job because everybody is an all-league player. everybody's going to win. Player. Everybody's yeah. going to win. Yeah. And even if you don't win, one of us is going to win. Right. The more intricate you become is to mask talent yeah. or to mask talent deficiencies. Or if you have a, a plethora of talent at one spot and maybe not another spot, I think that's one of the main reasons why Montana decided to craft this hybrid defense they knew they were going to have a hard time at corner. So you wonder if they do as much of the fire zone blitzing, much as the zone blitzing in general, now that they have these drop-down guys from Oregon State. It remains to be seen. Can these guys play at a high level? We'll see. But the th- I think the most undertold part of this story, though, is that after Craig Paulson moved on with Bobby Houck to UNLV, and then Robin Flugrad takes over, and first Mike Bresky is his defensive coordinator, and then under Mick Delaney, Ty Gregorak's his defensive coordinator, and then Bob Stitt with Ty Gregorak, and then Jason Seymour, and now with Kent Bear. The fire zone blitzing stuff that Mike Bresky has made such a name with at Wyoming and Montana and Idaho, Washington State, he's been all over the West. He's one of the first guys to really implement this, this deal because it's easier to recruit to. You can find so many guys who can play that rover spot, that outside linebacker spot. It's way easier than finding elite corners. It's way easier than finding elite edge guys that put their hand in the dirt. It's way easier than finding the 300-pound dudes to play on the middle. You can get by with a lot more just more quote-unquote normal-sized athletes. There's a lot more 6'3", 215-pound guys out there right. than there is the crazy other guys that you need to put those positions. So much of the defenses, though, there's a lot of similarities. It's just a matter of the timeliness of the calls. Right. And that's what I wanted to clarify because they we talked about them running an intricate defense and then in the same breath say the simpler your defense the you can run a more simple defense if you have the talent to do so but this is not a, an indictment about the talent or lack thereof at the University of Montana it's about this is the scheme that coach Houck brought from San Diego State this is what they're going to run within the context of that defense it can get really really insanely uh, 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 complex right. or it can be very straightforward totally. and very simple and that within the scope of what you're doing can be you know will be determined by the talent you have on the field and where that talent is located the talent you have on the field where it's located but also how quickly you can revamp the talent too Bobby Houck said day one our, op- our, our weaknesses right now are the offensive line depth at linebacker and the defensive secondary specifically at safety Safety has never been a weakness for Montana no. since Bobby Houck got here. Why? Because Bobby Houck started his career as a Bobby safety Houck I mean, well, because Bobby Houck started his career as a safety coach. He's brothers with Tim Houck, the greatest safety in the history of the Big Sky Conference, and his son is Robbie Houck, who's already an all-Big Sky guy. Yeah. But they also recruited Gavin Robertson. They also recruited Reed Miller. They also recruited Nash Fouch. They also recruited you know, some of these young, younger guys that I think like Jackson Pepe and Michael McGinnis. They're going to be good players. I know Michael McGinnis is no longer on the roster, but – they went from having no safeties to like seven legitimate safeties before fall camp even started. Yeah. So that was a spot they knew they could fortify, and that's what they're always going to build their defenses on. I mean, who are the greatest players during the Joe Glenn and Bobby Houck eras? Vince Hunsberger, Trey Young, Cole Anderson, Shan Schillinger, Eric Stoll, all American safeties. That's yeah. what Bobby Houck is so good at recruiting and developing. So I think that's another reason why, because you can run a lot of the stuff with the bogus pressures and stuff when you know you got uh, – superior last line of defense, and Montana's got that at least at the middle of their defense. Now they need to find it on the outside at corner. Tutel and Nuanas, 102.9 ESPN Radio. Carl Tyler, Missoula Volkswagen. Locally owned, community-driven. Carl Tyler's Auto Group. Coulter, let's shift just uh, for a moment here to Montana State. Troy Anderson yeah, on this list. Yep. No surprise that he's on this list. He could probably be on this list in a variety of uh, positions defensively. Uh, but not that it, you know, not that it matters particularly which one he plays. What really matters is his health. 
but where are you as as we look and we're going to talk with Jason Alvin about this here in about 10 minutes looking forward to it because he's the voice of the Bobcats and he'll he'll know but they graduated a heck of a class and to me this was this was the first four-year class of of Jeff Choates as it matriculated on through I know that he created a very strong bond with that group of guys and they return a decent number of, of guys but they lose they lose some significant players from this Surely. defense in particular and even while retaining Troy Anderson where are we at with Montana State and what is Troy Anderson going to have to do on this team this season well first of all you got to address the Troy Anderson thing because Troy Anderson has reached a level but well, he's been at the level for a long time yeah. where it doesn't matter if you're a cat or a grizz everybody in the Montana one of the number one, if not the number one talking points when it comes to college football is Troy Anderson. What's up with Troy Anderson? Yep. What position is Troy Anderson going to play? How's Troy's shoulder? How's his ankle? How's his everything? <laughs> you know, it's all he's been so beat up over his career's hand. I mean, he's had multiple surgeries. He's been just wrecked and has hardly missed any games, even though he hasn't been able to go full force in those games. You also got to take everything with Troy Anderson with a grain of salt. I had people that were big Bobcat Backers, big Bobcat boosters, quarterback club guys, calling me week of Cat Grizz saying Troy Anderson's full go. Watch, they're going to have special packages for him. He's going to play quarterback. Now, I don't know if that was planted by the Bobcat coaching staff to sort of further the narrative that Troy Anderson was going to be the guy that the Bobcats were Or planted victory. by a couple of boosters around a bottle of something nice, which is can often happen regardless no of school. But yes. I, I knew that there was something fishy with it. So then when it comes true to be the opposite, that Troy Anderson doesn't play at all. I was 0% surprised. But all I'm saying is this kid's a talking point all the time, and there's always rumors about him because I think that on one hand, people on this side of the mountains want all the rumors that are about his injuries and his surgeries to be true so, so he doesn't play. And I think that so many people over there are just so terrified that they might be true, costing him to play. But there's the rumors swirling around now that he might take the year off in redshirt. Yeah. It, it, Honestly, because you can play four games in a season, if Montana State decided to not play Troy Anderson until the last game of the regular season against the Grizzlies and then just rode him from there on, man. What but a then deal. You, then you'd be, be in a precarious situation. Because right. what if you played three playoff games during the semifinals? Say you made it to the national championship, and then you got to shut him down. That would be a that'd be worst-case scenario. But I don't know. It would be interesting to see. But regardless, I don't think Troy Anderson – should deserve to be on this list right now because I just don't know what his status is going into the season. But I understand, as a first-team All-League player and the splash guy that he was a year ago, why he is. There is no list that he doesn't deserve to be on. No doubt. Give me your Walter Payton Award. Give me your Buck Award. Give me your Best uh, Quarterback Award. Just put him on all of them. Stutel Nuanas, 109 ESPN Radio. We'll take a quick break. Speaking of Montana State, Jason Alvin, the voice of the Bobcats, calls women's basketball and football for Montana State. Going to join us on the other side right after this. Coulter, I don't know about you, but anymore I just imagine the internet like taking a walk in the park. What do I mean by that? Well, basically anybody can watch me all the time because I'm in the most public of places no matter what it is that I'm doing. Even if I'm sitting at uh, a, a restaurant talking and my phone sitting there, I assume the president's listening to me because this is the level of paranoia I've got. If I ever had a business that had to function online, I don't know what I would do. Actually, yes, I do. I would be completely secure with Blackfoot Communications because I know at least they know how to keep this thing locked, secured, and private for me as a business owner. Your level of paranoia is certainly concerning, but also in some ways justified because this day and age, you do have to keep yourself safe. We have electronic tracking devices in our pockets. We're on the computer all the time, and you never know when the bad guys might come to get your information and all sorts of other things as well. Blackfoot certainly has you covered when it comes to keeping you secure. At Blackfoot Communications, they do deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup, all of it for businesses across the great state of Montana. They ensure your company's network is online, all the time. Safe, secure, and running as it needs to be. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. Well, happy now to start the guest train. Stutella Nuanas, 1029 ESPN Radio. Quarantined in our Kurtz Polaris studios and happy to be so. Hope you are well. 
Hope you are safe. Take care of each other out there in the world. Don't fight over the toilet paper, boys and girls. It's still March. You can still use a snowball. 1029ESPN.com. You want to go check us out online. You can also go at Gus Tutel on Twitter, at 1029ESPN, and at Skyline Sports MT. We go now to the Raggage Brothers RV phone line. We welcome in the voice of the Montana State Bobcats football and women's basketball teams, Jason Alvey. Jason, thanks so much for being with us, man. How are you? Hey, I appreciate uh, joining you guys. As always, uh, great to hear from you. Well, we're happy to have you in here, and and uh, I'm so interested in in we we kind of know the circumstances at large as they played out, but you are so up close and personal, especially with this Montana State women's basketball team, and they had such an unbelievable season, a 19 and one in the regular season, I think 17 or 18 in a row before it was all said and done, make the championship game, and. They did everything, and then for to have it come to a close, I know that emotions were very high, especially when it was a season like that for Montana State. What is What was the following 48 hours like with the women's basketball team coming out of the Big Sky Conference Tournament cancellation? You know, uh, catatonic, maybe the word for it. Um, it was very... You know, depressing as you said. Now I don't want to break season. you off right here, but did you just say that because the word "cat" is in there? Is that was <laughs> it? Did you? Is it the root word that we're getting to there? No, it's. Hey, uh, you've got you've got me figured out. Yeah. Try to spread that message over there in Missoula. Uh, so, but no, it, it, it was uh, no, no. As you can imagine, it was it was you know kind of earth shattering, so to speak, and heartbreaking yeah. for those kids. Is you know everything that they'd worked for. To, to get to that point, to play against Idaho for the Big Sky Championship, you mentioned they'd won 17 in a row, which had tied the school record. Uh, 25 wins matched a program record as well. Um, so everything that was on the line for the Big Sky Championship as far as setting a new single season uh, or, or consecutive win streak was 18. It would have been 18 had they won it. Uh, a new program record, 26 wins, uh, and really an opportunity for those kids to, to leave their legacy. And, uh, you know, I, I know there's they, there's no question that they did that here this year, but um, just a, a sad and unfortunate way for those five seniors to, to really go out. And, um, you know, you, you, they always say you never know when it could be your last time playing, but this is really one of those times that, uh, that you, you had no idea that this was going to happen. Well, and Jason, too, doesn't it seem like th- this feels like one of uh, those sort of few teams that come along where you really feel like there's a shot depending on a matchup in an NC2A matchup, you know, that, that, that they could get a win in the big dance in a, in a tournament setting, which is rare when you're talking about teams coming out of the big sky men or women's. Is that a sense that, that existed uh, for this Montana state team? And, and, you know, again, I mean, I know so disappointing, but what's it like to not even have the opportunity to see where you go and who you might match up with? Well, obviously, I think there was an opportunity that was lost for this team because I think if you take away what we did in the preseason against the, against Zaga, it was a 15-point loss, but you played well. You didn't shoot the ball well in that game, 0 of 13 from the three-point line. You make one or two of those, uh, get some rhythm, maybe there's some feel comes into that game. You, you give yourself a puncher's chance against a really good team. You go down to Puerto Rico, and you have a three-point lead in the fourth quarter against Texas A&M, a team that realized, well, we better start playing or else we're going to get beat in Puerto Rico by this team. And they kind of uh, took control in that fourth quarter. I think it was an 11-3 run to close the game um, there by Texas A&M. And, uh, you know, on the road at Minnesota, you're leading going into the fourth quarter when they still had uh, Destiny Pitts, their, their best player in the lineup, uh, before some things happened out there. And then uh, South Dakota State didn't play well, had some of the, the jitters there. But it was a 10-point game. You fought your way back. Uh, South Dakota State was up by, I think, 22 in that game, but you, you fight your way back, close it to a 10-point game, just couldn't get any closer. So I, I do think there was an opportunity that, depending on the matchup, like you said, if, if you could wait, get to 18 in a row, where, you know, there was a couple bids that, that got stolen, and, you know, Fresno State gets beat by Boise State. Um, where So there was a couple of those schools that had already worked their way in, and some of those, those maybe those lower seeds being taken by those schools. So there may have been an opportunity to be a 12 or a 13 and really like their matchup. Uh, but, you know, obviously um, the, the powers that be, you know, got together and uh, made a decision and, um, you know, definitely respect that decision because it is ultimately about the safety of, you know, not only the student athletes, but everybody that was there in Boise, um, you know, fans, spectators, um, the people working the game, uh, you know, so it's definitely unfortunate, but, um, you know, like we said, respect the decision of, of the, um, commissioner in, in the league. Tom Wistershill, the Big Sky Conference Commissioner, joined us yesterday. He gave, brought us through the entire timeline of what 
Thursday morning was like, and it basically was condensed down to about 30 or 35 minutes where dominoes kept falling, and the Big Sky went from considering having games with no fans to planning on having games with no fans to having no games at all. From your guys' perspective, especially because you're also the director director of operations too, so all the travel falls on your shoulders getting the team in and out of wherever you're going. What was the timeline like for you guys? I mean, was there any pushback to, to continue to play the games? And what was the communication string like? What was just the overall morning like as you guys were kind of figuring out what was happening, not only in Boise, but around the country? Well, so you started the night before when you hear uh, Rudy Gobert uh, being positive, testing positive there, and then cancel NBA reacts. They cancel their season. Um, so after that Idaho-Idaho State game, uh, Julian Asibe, Sonny Smallwood, and, and Trish and I were up, all up you know, game planning and going through some things. And, um, you know, at, at that point, you come to realize, like, there, there's some real stuff. If the NBA is canceling the rest of their season or postponing the rest of their season, uh, things that dominoes may fall, and then that may include us. And, you know, you sleep on it. You, you don't expect anything. You, you're one game from finishing things out. You're, you're two days from uh, really, the you know, the rest of the tournament being over, including the men. And so, so you really don't maybe think that much of it. Um, but then it started to get real. We were at community service the next morning. I, I took the team out to a Peregrine Elementary out there in, in Meridian and, and did some reading and then went to some recess with some classes. And So we're back on the bus, and it went well. I get a text from uh, back in Bozeman from our, our radio engineers back here, and they're like, uh, are the games canceled? Because we just heard that the tournament got canceled. And I was like, well, I can't confirm that right now. I'm out at community service, so... Um, and then we get on the bus, and Trish sends a text, and it says tournament is canceled. And then I'm in the front of the bus, and hear one of the kids, uh, you know, from the back being, they just canceled the tournament. And the, the shock and awe that we're on those kids' faces when I had to go back and tell them kind of what I knew and the next steps, and and you know, to see their initial thoughts. Uh, like I said, it was it, it was pretty depressing to to see it come across that way, and uh, you know, not a position that. I'd want anybody to ever have to be in again, to, you know, having to tell their team uh, their season's coming to an end without uh, without a definitive um, answer, whether you won the game, lost the game, uh, at least you had the opportunity to play it. Jason Alvin joining us. He's the voice of the Bobcat women's basketball team as well as the football team at Montana State. Well, Jason, we'll get you out of here on this then. You mentioned the outstanding senior class, and I know Martha, er, uh, Madeline Smith, Oleon Squires, Butter Braxton, all there for four years. Martha Cooter joins as a transfer a couple years back. Fallon Frigi comes in as a transfer this year, wins the MVP. Definitely an outstanding group and a group that deserves to be remembered. But um, as somebody that's been around the Big Sky a long time, working at multiple schools in the Big Sky and now having worked at Montana State, working with the women's basketball program for a handful of years, what is the legacy of this group of, of seniors and, and how will you remember them? I mean, is this does this team deserve to be considered among the great Bobcat teams of all time? Uh, absolutely. I, I think it might be the greatest. And, and Coulter, you and I have been in this league a long time. I know there were some great Montana teams back in the late 80s, early 90s. And I'd, I'd pit this team up against any team I've seen because you look up and down the lineup, up and down the roster. You bring Torrey Martell off the bench. You have Darian White as the, the starting point guard. They had a lot of firepower. And you, they could get in a shootout. They could play defense against you. You know, the one thing I wanted to, to – talk to him about that I never really got the opportunity to say because of the cancellation of the tournament but you know I was going to ask him I said do you guys want to be remembered as the, the greatest big sky team ever with a question mark or with an exclamation point and that's where I felt that this team could have fallen um, had they gotten that opportunity to beat uh, to beat Idaho in that game and you know you'll never know so I think that you have to sit there with a question mark um, on that but I would definitely if uh, if somebody wanted to trot out teams from from across all eras not just bobcat teams i'm talking up and down the history of the big sky i'd go to battle with this team and i know i'm close to them i know uh, you know there's there's a little bit more invested in that but in my time in the big sky in the 11 years i've been in this league i think it's by far the best team top to bottom i've seen in this league well jason we appreciate it. i know it's tremendously disappointing especially not to see a team like that be able to uh, follow it through to its conclusion wherever that might have been but we appreciate you joining us and kind of giving us the insight on that we'll uh, we'll follow up with you again as we get a little closer to football season all right my man i appreciate it, gentlemen always enjoy being on you got it. Jason Alvin, voice of the Montana State Bobcats, women's basketball and football as well. We'll take a quick break. On the other side, looking forward to this. 
what's going on in Houston with the Texans. Some head-scratching trades and an interesting signing, Randall Cobb, today. We'll talk with Aaron Reese. He covers the Texans for The Athletic right after this. Coulter, I don't know about you, but anymore I just imagine the internet like taking a walk in the park. What do I mean by that? Well, basically anybody can watch me all the time because I'm in the most public of places no matter what it is that I'm doing. Even if I'm sitting at uh, a, a restaurant talking and my phone sitting there, I assume the president's listening to me because this is the level of paranoia I've got. If I ever had a business that had to function online, I don't know what I would do. Actually, yes, I do. I would be completely secure with Blackfoot Communications because I know at least they know how to keep this thing locked, secured, and private for me as a business owner. Your level of paranoia is certainly concerning, but also in some ways justified because this day and age, you do have to keep yourself safe. We have electronic tracking devices in our pockets. We're on the computer all the time, and you never know when the bad guys might come to get your information and all sorts of other things as well. Blackfoot certainly has you covered when it comes to keeping you secure. At Blackfoot Communications, they do deliver state-of-the-art security solutions from the perimeter to endpoint devices and remote data backup, all of it for businesses across the great state of Montana. They ensure your company's network is online, all the time. Safe, secure, and running as it needs to be. For more information, visit goblackfoot.com slash business. To the Regs Brothers RV phone line, and we welcome in Aaron Reese, who covers the Houston Texans for The Athletic. Aaron, thanks so much for being with us. How are you? I'm good. Uh, you know, still uh, trying to kind of wrap my head around everything that happened yesterday, but I'm doing all right. Well, you and everybody else, man. I mean, look, when when this, when this the trade, the big DeAndre Hopkins trade uh, uh, for David Johnson came across, and we'll get into the Randall Cobb stuff from today as well, but when that first came across, everybody went, well, what in the world is going on? And what? So they net a second-round pick? That's not great. What's David Johnson going to do for you at this point in his career? And then you hear more about the relationships and the friction or whatever it is, uh, you know, between Bill O'Brien O'Brien and, and DeAndre Hopkins, and right now it seems like in the court of public opinion, Bill O'Brien's uh, stock is kind of at an all-time low around Houston. Is that about right to say? Uh, yeah, I would say that that's definitely uh, correct. You know, I, I don't think uh, that he really had a lot of um, support among fans in the first place, uh, just uh, after blowing the 24-point lead against the Chiefs. And right. Kind of just, uh, I think his, um, <clears throat> his persona at times has rubbed people a little bit the wrong way uh, here in Houston, but... Ultimately, um, the only person whose opinion really matters is uh, um, Cal McNair, team chairman, uh, and he has you know empowered Bill to follow through on this plan. And um, you know, this is sort of a move you imagine he would uh, he would have to sign off on. Uh, so you know, he he appears to sell the approval of his ultimate boss, and and that's that's really what matters. But yeah, I would say that um, you know there are some fans who were a little kind of like I like GM O'Brien prior to this because you know he made aggressive moves at least trading for Laramie Tunsil, win now sort of moves. Uh, what's really interesting about this is um, this is kind of the only the first move you could say that he really made, aside from the clowny one, that was really not in the interest of really bettering the team. Um, and the clowny deal, at least, you know, was a little debatable because clowny because was he worth committing to long term or not? Um, what kind of was it? Kind of the money the Texans were willing to spend. Uh, Hopkins was not so debatable. He was undoubtedly the most um, you know durable and elite player they had, um, and. They got rid of him for uh, well below value, as you saw later in the day with the Stefan Diggs trade. He stole my next question right out from under me. I was going to ask you, it seems as if the Texans have endured so many gut-wrenching losses, and now a couple questionable personnel moves, this one obviously being the most glaring, the most recent one. But we we seem to never – it seems like almost every coach in the NFL seems to always be on the hot seat to save – a couple handfuls of guys, we hardly never hear Bill O'Brien's name mentioned. Is it just because of the affinity the ownership has for him, or why, why do you think he's sort of above that, at least at this point? Yeah, you know, I think um, I think they clearly just they buy into uh, they buy into his plan. But um, you know, it'll be very interesting uh, this uh, this coming season because I think uh, you know the, the the division is going to be tough uh, with with Tennessee. Um, you know, bringing back kind of that that crew that was so good in the back half last year and. Uh, the Colts getting Philip Rivers to upgrade from Jacoby Bristad, and uh, you know the the Texans are going to have a challenge. At least as of as it stands right now, um, their defense was pretty bad last year. It probably it hasn't really gotten. There's no reason to think it's really gotten that much better. They just lost DJ Reader to the 
Cincinnati Bengals and they're bringing back basically the same secondary. Um, and on offense, obviously they're going to, they're, they're worse. I mean, there, there is no way around it. Uh, you know, they signed Randall Cobb, like you guys mentioned, but, um, Randall Cobb is not DeAndre Hopkins. He has not replaced DeAndre Hopkins production. And certainly he was cheaper, but, um, you know, it's not like Texans save money in this deal because they took on all of David Johnson's contract. Aaron Reese joining us. He covers the Houston Texans for the athletic. Aaron, yesterday Deshaun Watson tweeted, man, this is crazy. Not sure how you thank somebody who's done so much for you in your career. Not only somebody who's a leader, but one of the best to ever do it. Even more, appreciate your genuine friendship since day one, wishing you everything but the best at DeAndre Hopkins. It was clear to me watching the Texans that those two had phenomenal chemistry and that they meant a lot to each other. What is initial the initial reaction from Deshaun Watson over this trade? Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, like, like, uh, like, uh, I think he said in that tweet, obviously he had a lot of affinity for him. Um, uh, and you know, I, it'll be interesting to eventually hear from him at some point. He has a, you know, he has a contract that he could potentially negotiate this year. And you have to imagine this would, this would come out in some fashion and, um, you know, who knows football's so weird. These guys don't really get to test free agency and stuff, but, um, you know, if he, if maybe it's the sort of thing where he has to think about, does this, seem like a place I can capitalize on my skills or not. And what does that mean if, if you think the answer is no, you know? Um, those are all questions for, for down the line. But um, him kind of entering this contract negotiation period certainly provides kind of a, a unique wrench. But don't you think, I mean, that there's a level at which Bill O'Brien, regardless of his relationship with Deshaun Watson, is really running close to the sun in terms of, of his burning up his relationship with the entire team, particularly Deshaun Watson? I mean, if you ship out the best player you've got to go with the best young quarterback that you've got, one of the young stars in the league, and he turns on you and says, no, I don't want to play for you anymore, that it's it's game over. It's curtains for Bill O'Brien in Houston at that point, right? Uh, you know, you you would have to imagine. Obviously, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that it's reached that point yet, at least not publicly by any means. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was kind of it did feel a little bit like when they made this move. Um, that was kind of the thing I was thinking is, um, you know, what happens if this if this season kind of goes sideways? They've, uh, you know, you can say a lot what what you want about O'Brien. He ultimately has gotten the playoffs more times than he hasn't, and though he hasn't really won anything there um, or gone super deep there, um, you know. For whatever the playoffs and those results have been good for uh, Cal McNair when they officially named him general manager uh, over the offseason. Um, you know, Cal said one of the reasons that they thought it was the right move is because of the tremendous progress they made under this structure with O'Brien leading the charge. So um, obviously they, they see progress and uh, they say they see progress and kind of him being uh, up top. But you know, if they finally take a step back this year. Um, you know, if the offense isn't very good, if they don't find a way to meaningfully improve the defense, um, then that will be really interesting uh, in terms of kind of where that leaves Bill O'Brien. What What was the spin out, out of Houston's camp? I mean, what 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 did they say to justify this trade? Because I mean, we were laughing when this thing first went down. We were saying no fantasy league in America would even improve this trade. So how is this happening in the NFL? What was the Bill O'Brien and the rest of the organization's spin on this thing? Yeah, you know, um, yeah. I think that there hasn't been a, he obviously hasn't commented on it publicly at all. Um, you know, but it is interesting because I think after the, uh, um, after they traded him in Clowney, a lot of what, uh, Bill O'Brien was saying was kind of that, you know, you needed to find proven players. He turned Clowney into two players, plus eventually a third that he traded the pick he got from Seattle for a cornerback. Uh, he, you know, he traded all his picks from Miami for a proven player, et cetera. You see kind of see where the pattern is going here. But, you know, obviously DeAndre Hopkins is the most proven player they had. And they, they give it away. So um, the, the, he's kind of flipped his own narrative on a head here, and I don't really know if he has kind of a, a means to, to explain it. Um, other than that, you would maybe say, uh, you know, he, he does place quite the premium on, uh, on running backs, which is a pretty traditionalist way to look at things. But, you know, if you look at kind of how often he has uh, run the ball, he was, you know, eighth in the league and uh, first down rushing rate. And they run up the middle. I'm like only three teams ran up the middle more often than they did. So, you know, he sees uh, David Johnson as kind of uh, a key person. Uh, but a lot of people will tell you that probably is a, a bad estimation, that running backs are pretty replaceable, uh, and that a guy like DeAndre Hopkins is not. Aaron Reese joining us. He covers the Houston Texans for The Athletic. And 
Aaron, I want to fast forward to today and the news that uh, just broke a couple hours ago that Randall Cobb has signed with the Houston Texans. And there's a certain line of thinking that says every player is the greatest player to get in free agency and every player is the worst. And all that matters is how much did you pay for him? Well, three years, $23 million for a guy who has been productive, certainly in the NFL, but also injury prone, especially in the last several seasons, though, did bounce back last year. Where are where are you at? What is your perception of not just Randall Cobb, the player, but Randall Cobb, the con? contract yeah um i mean i'll start from the the player standpoint i did think it made some sense uh just in a in a vacuum kind of the texans needed a guy who uh could be effective out of the slot not named uh, deandre hopkins and kind of a traditional uh slot receiver because the guy who they had kind of filled that role a couple of years ago kiki kuti had a really disappointing second year kind yeah. of got in O'Brien's doghouse never got out of it um, and they didn't really have a, a, a reliable option for the slot other than their kick returner, DeAndre Carter, is just not much of a receiver. Um, and so, you know, they need to find a slot guy. Uh, Cobb is definitely an upgrade over Futi and, and, you know, a, a very good player when he's healthy. Uh, I did think the price was a little high just when you consider that, you know, only a year ago he was signing like, what, a one-year $5 million deal with Dallas. Uh, and now he gets all that, you know, he gets quite a lot of money from Houston. Right. And obviously um, when you compare it in the uh, next, put it next to, you know, the other news of the day that, you know, part of the reason that, uh, you know, they ultimately decided to trade DeAndre Hopkins was that he wanted a new contract uh, because he was he was he had underpaid. The market had kind of changed since he signed that first deal, even if he had three years left. And he thought he deserved a new deal, and that wasn't something O'Brien was willing to do, but he was willing to pay around the cop. I think that's a, that's a decision that some Texans fans might kind of um, not quite understand. And, and uh, it's fair to argue that that's not necessarily the right decision, but that's where the Houston is going. Well, Aaron, we appreciate you coming in here and joining us and giving sort of the lay of the land on the ground there in Houston for uh, Texans fans up this way, of which our producer, David, is one. Where can people follow you along on the social medias and uh, read your read your stuff? Yeah, my uh, my Twitter handle is Aaron, A-R-O-N-J, Reese, R-E-I-S-S. And you can read all my stuff at theathletic.com along with a lot of other great stuff. And I know there's not a lot of sports happening right now, but uh, I think my NFL colleagues are – are doing a really good job covering all free agency. So I hope people will uh, sign up if they haven't. Well, absolutely. And you did a great job interviewing. I mean, filling some time that way. So excellent work there. Aaron Reese, certainly appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Okay, thanks. Bye. Aaron Reese joining us, covering the Houston Texans for The Athletic. Hour one in the books, hour two straight ahead. We continue with the NFL. Tom Brady not going back to the New England Patriots. 20, uh, 20 years playing for the Pats. And that is all she wrote in New England. We'll talk about that. A couple other moves as well right after this. Hey, are you ready for a new truck? Get to Milton Burger Motors in Hamilton. The best deals and the best trucks, Duramax, Chevy, or GMC. It's finally starting to feel like winter around here. And if you need some nice winter gear, how about the fine folks at Sitka? They make awesome winter clothes. And they sell custom Bobcat Sitka gear at the MSU Bookstore. You can shop online anytime at msubookstore.org, or, of course, you can check out the MSU Bookstore live and in person there on the Montana State campus. They also have some graduation regalia back in order there at the MSU Bookstore. They have an awesome American Indian Council selection as well. Visit on campus anytime you need blue and gold, or visit online anytime, anywhere, msubookstore.org. MSU Bookstore. Your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day located there on the Montana State campus. 